When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, he can shave whichever part of his body he wants. Welcome to the Attacking Scrum Six Nations preview. It's that time of the year when we can dust off the shackles of the long, tedious URC season and the seedy world of Welsh rugby politics, or so we thought. Uh, Sadly, the headline story from last week is still dominating the news agenda, so we're going to start with the latest goings-on at the WRU and then get into the Six Nations preview. And joining me to do that, the only man qualified to do so. The only man the world wants to hear from on these these matters and more. Fucking live up to that, Billy. (laughs) It is, of course, all the way from his front room in Cardiff, the mighty Murph. How are you, Murph? Very well, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Have you switched from San Miguel to uh, to Guinness for this evening? Yeah, I'm I'm always on brand, mate. I, I mean, I've never been sent any coffee, otherwise I would have had that, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I'm always on brand. We're into this, um, what's the predictions pipe, thing pipe again? Predictor. Pipe predictor, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I thought I'd um, honour that by... Uh, it's, I mean, I've only just poured it and it's half gone, so... They say, I was they just... say advertising doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, of all of all marketing budgets in the world to get sign off, uh, getting rugby fans to drink Guinness must be like shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah, uh, preaching to the choir yeah, for sure. Exactly. I am. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm very much looking forward to, to sinking a few over the over the course of the uh, of the tournament. I had to actually stop myself when I moved back to London in 2008. I was doing no exercise and just drinking so much Guinness. That I then like hit the the following January. I was like, right, I need to lose some weight. I stopped drinking Guinness. I did start doing some exercise, and I've just I've limited it ever since, just to uh, to Six Nations and to uh, and to horse racing. So uh, really, yeah. So I really enjoy. I really kind of savour it. See, because I might be wrong here, but I I'm always under the understanding that there's no more calories in a Guinness than there is in a, a strong lager. Or a you know, or any fancy pint of lager that you might have while you're out. I like I was under the impression it, there was a bit more, but um, I don't know. Yeah, it definitely feels like it. Definitely feels like it feels yeah. up. It does, but, but um, it's also not got the um, it's not got the bubbles from it either. So I, mm. I also quite like it as a session drink. Anyway, mm. if Guinness are listening and they want to send us a, a free plate, then I mean, then... I, 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 literally one slab, and I uh, <laughs> do anything they want. <laughs> One slab of Guinness. That's all. Yeah, we'll get we'll get working on it. We'll, we'll our people will speak to their people and see what uh, see what we can rustle up. Um, <laughs> right then, let's get the serious stuff out of the way now, Murph, and uh, and then as as you say, we will then move on to uh, to some of the on pitch uh, action which we're looking forward to previewing. So since we last spoke, the BBC Investigate show has aired. Steve Phillips has defended himself. Ian Evans has defended Steve Phillips. 
Hayley Parsons, the Go Compare founder and Cardiff board member, has called for Steve Phillips to resign. Steve Phillips has resigned. Nigel Walker has taken over on an interim basis as CEO. It's been some bloody week, hasn't it? Mad. I mean, an average, an average week in Welsh standards. Um, it, I mean, that was a, quite a slim glossary of what happened, really, yeah. because every regional side, all the big, well, a lot of clubs, lots of tiny clubs, lots of clubs no one's ever heard of, all made statements about what they thought should happen in the WIU. And um, I don't know if I said it on air or if it just other conversations that the week. Uh, so long as this situa- situation ends up with some, oh yes, we did major overhauls. Mm. Then, then that's what's needed. And uh, what we couldn't have. It's strange. Um, I, I was when the announcement came late on Saturday night. I was still shocked mm. because you're used to people in public life these days not being accountable. Yep. And actual accountability came back to get someone and they were uh, I don't know what whether you would say forced to resign but it was the only option the only honourable option left to the guy and um, so we still I, I was still shocked when it happened on Saturday night yeah well let's let's start with that there's no love lost for Steve Phillips amongst uh, Welsh rugby Twitter anyway um, and he heads for the exit door is that the right decision the only decision yeah I mean I I I've said on here, he's a financial director, apparently a very competent financial director, um, put into the wrong job. So, you know, as high, well, it doesn't have to be my opinion. I think uh, hindsight, uh, history has shown that he wasn't up to the job. There was a, a big period of kind of inactivity or, mm. or risk-averse um, culture going on in the WIU and now uh, stalling all the time. I don't know what 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 is... what. What was the stumbling block over reaching an agreement with the um, uh, the four regions? That's, like, what? Yeah, that's what I can't you, get my head around because yeah, it's but, not uh, kicking it down, kicking the can down the road with that one. Is not no, just making it's it not worse. Resolve it, is it? Like, if you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna can one of the regions, you've got to do it. You you've got to come yeah. out and go right. They they're gone. Here's, you know, whether you wait. So maybe that maybe open. that was a stumbling block then. Maybe. They 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 did want to reach an agreement with the four teams because they actually wanted three and they were waiting for one to go pop. Is that the purely speculation on my half. I've got no right. no intelligence on that, as I have no intelligence right. generally. Um, <laughs> but it, 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 even if that was the intention, all it's serving to do is wreck the other the three surviving mm-hmm. clubs at the same time. So I don't I don't know if that was. Well, look, like I said, uh, he, he, the guy wasn't a CEO, so whoever appointed him should also be leaving. Yeah. I think that's the board. They should all stand down. If they've appointed Steve Phillips, they, look, it was in the middle of a uh, yeah. pandemic when the other guy left, and maybe the, an idea of a financial director to actually, you know, quite literally save them financially was the idea behind it. But, but once once we were um, out of, well, I don't, I don't know if they are out of that situation economically, but once they were through that, they should have been looking for a seat, a, a proper CEO, and mm. uh, there'd probably be some knives out, I would imagine, for Nigel Walker at this stage. But he, he is or has actually been a CEO of a sporting yeah. organization before, not on the same scale, I shouldn't imagine, as um, or not on the same turnover uh, as WIU, but still, the, that is his line of work. So, um, whether, whether he'll have a long term, uh, it did strike me yesterday on Scrum Five that we were sat chatting to a black man in charge of Welsh rugby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. No one's mentioned that because so much is going on. Well, but true. you know, that is that is quite something. You know that, uh, um, 
And and I suppose in a way it's refreshing that it, we didn't have to make a hoof out, yeah. hoof out of a, you know, uh, when Rishi Sunak took over as prime minister, there was a lot of people saying we've got a, an Asian man in charge of the country. And uh, But um, matter of factly, Nigel Walker has just ended up CEO of the Welsh Union, the, I, I guess the top job, the most powerful man in, in, in the sport in this mm. country. And um, he's an Afro-Caribbean background. So um, I don't know if I'll ever be brought up and, uh, like I say, it's quite nice, and no one needs to mention it. Really. No, so yeah, it's a it's a really good point. I was going to talk to you about that actually. What did you make of of Nigel Walker's <coughs> performance on Scrum Five? Um, okay, I, I, listen, it, it's not a. I, I don't think we're in a situation where it's a talking job. It, mm. It's action. Get, get that get that deal done with the four regions. Um, there was another one on the hit list that I, I mentioned. I read, thought of. Uh, I can't remember what it is now, but and and then the third one was obviously uh, a point of permanent CEO. Um, oh, the, the the second one is the EGMs, so they can force through this motion. Yeah. And but both of those are more important than who's going to be the long term guy, really. Um, uh, guy or woman, uh, as it happens. Um, so, yeah, it's more it's more a case of like it's. I tell you, it was a great talker, mm. Roger Lewis. Yeah, amazing talker, Bl- Tony Blair level talker. Mm. But um, it's actions now. You know, we just they got we got to see things. We got to see things happening rather than sound bites and uh, patriotic statements about the the country's sport and all this nonsense. And um, just just get stuff done. Yeah, well, I absolutely agree on that front. And. Jiffy was on there as well, and and kind of referred to it as uh, an absolute shambles or something of uh, along those lines. Mm. I mean, in the in the hall of fame of Welsh rugby embarrassing weeks, I, I genuinely think this one's got to be up there, hasn't it? Um. Yeah. Well, f- from a boardroom point of mm. view. I mean, we probably had some embarrassing weeks actually on the pitch. Well, that's <laughs> and in and around, you know, sacking, sacking the coach in the car park was, yeah. I think, was in a way more embarrassing. But from a, a boardroom level kind of thing and, and, a, and a top hierarchy level, yeah, they, they, this you can't imagine. The thing is, there was a lot of, back, if you go back far enough, there was a lot of sort of faceless suits. Yeah. No accountability in that regard. A huge committee of men who there was no direct responsibility for anyone. And uh, I, I guess in this age, with a CEO, and then you know they want a uh, an, um, an executive chairman and whatever you, they, they're going to be directly accountable in future. So um, I suppose it's more likely more it's more likely in this era than it was in the past. And you mentioned the board, and you know uh, it's not been a particularly enjoyable week for Yayan Evans, I would say. You know, is he safe no. in all this? I know he's only he's only had the he's only had the the tie for uh, for about six weeks, but yeah, um, it's not a great look, is it, to publicly defend Phillips and then you know forty eight no. hours he's gone. Well, he was he, 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 if he's taken over as chairman, that means he's been on the board for a while, doesn't mm. he? And so he, I don't know if he I don't not sure he was on the board when Phillips was appointed because he's a fairly recent addition to the board. I might have that wrong. It's within the last couple of years, I believe, that uh, Yayan has moved onto the board. Um, uh, look, what I will say is, uh, um, Rob Butcher stood down because he couldn't get that decision through yeah. the, the uh, AGM. Um, Yayan took over, and it's been <laughs> whether this 
is by his actions or not, but it's been non-stop, non-stop uh, action ever since. Yeah. You know, um, um, sacked a coach. Uh, th- th- this kind of stuff has blown up, and and point, no yeah, one's pointed Gatland as well. Yeah, uh, um, it's just been all go. You know, you can't say his uh, his tenure has been uneventful. It's only been, like I say, it's only been six weeks. So I suppose we'll see. It, it, as it stands, blaming Yayan and putting someone else in is not going to help. You know, even if it was, even if it was, even if you could find any blame in Yayan's part, um, putting someone else in wouldn't help. So I suppose the way to judge him now is uh, those next decisions mm. that we mentioned, which is the agreement. EGM, which I believe is already scheduled for March, and um, and then the CEO appointment. But the CEO appointment might even end up if they can get a non-executive chairman. Is it non-executive or executive? Uh, non-exec. Uh, a non-exec chairman. Yeah. I don't know. A, a type of chairman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if he gets that in, that that, that that might be out of his. The next part might be out of his hands anyway. Well, not completely out of his hands, but not solely in his hands anyway. So, um, yeah, it, 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 it's similar to Nigel Walker. It's, it, it's all about uh, results again now. A little bit like um, Gatland. <laughs> yeah, exactly, which, uh, which I'm looking forward to getting stuck into with you. Um, talking to CEOs, though, you're absolutely right. That long-term appointment is going to be completely crucial. And it's going to take more than putting another committee man in charge of the organisation to restore any faith in the in the Welsh Rugby Union brand, isn't it? Do you, do you think there's a chance that someone like an Amanda Blanc or a Hayley, a Hayley Parsons would get you would get the opportunity to do this? Would they want it? Would they be asked? You know, well, is this is the issue. Exactly, this is the issue now. Is uh, it's a little bit like the Cardiff City manager's job. Um, first of it's all, not that bad, is it? Well, it is in a way because who would go there yeah. and work for Vincent Tan? Yeah. So who would go to the WIU and work under whoever they're answerable to yeah. or, or, or be in an organisation with this recent history and this dysfunction, dysfunctional setup that it's had for, well, people would say for, for a long time, but certainly in recent years it's been very dysfunctional organisation. So um, that's the issue is, who, you know, who can they attract and obviously... Um, usually the answer is whoever needs the money. Mm. Uh, that's what happens to the Cardiff City manager's job. Um, so you're not you're not going to get until we t- uh, until they clean up their act and become a much more uh, functional organisation. Like they won't attract the top people. But in future, you know, they, they get get through this mess, and then and then maybe in future they they get someone top quality. But um, I, I, again. I, CEOs, they don't stick around as long as Warren Gatland does. No. So, you know, um, or Roger Lewis. Roger Lewis is there a long time. So um, it, it doesn't have to be for the next 10 years, but it definitely needs to be someone, um, well, obviously, someone who knows what they're on about, someone actually qualified and someone who is actually a CEO. For and, a and, and as you say, and as we said numerous times on here, the whole structure has to change. So when you have a hundred million pound business, you have to have a CEO who is a hundred percent answerable to that business. You know, the, the community game and the, um, and the professional game being decoupled. Yeah. So you're not going to be hamstrung by, um, by club votes, which have their, which have their place, but they have their place within the, the shape of the, the community game rather than the, uh, rather than the elite game. 
And also, they can't, like other CEOs, they can't be just judged just purely on profit, no. which is what uh, I, I don't want to harp on about Walter, but Roger Lewis just kept yeah. talking about the profit. Every time anyone questioned the state of the game, he just said profit, the amount we paid off the stadium, da, 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 just the same old thing. And there's got to be more, is, well, there is, and there's got to be more to the role than, than just uh, the, the, the bank statement at the end of the month. Yeah, there has, and you know that there is that um, that thing with sport, isn't there? That it's it's not solely yeah, it's not solely a profit and loss thing, but it's also not a you know we're not dealing with a Premier League football club that's a that's a billionaire's playground. Yes, there has to be money. It has to be commercially viable. We have to make these things work. But you're right; it's not at the cost of it's not at the cost of of absolutely everything. So um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more there, mate. Um, Chicken and the egg a little bit, isn't it? The profitability will come with the popularity of the sport, and you know, and the, the, if the sport's in a healthy state, then there's more people through the turnstiles at, at at all the games. But in particular, um, Welsh games, you know, that um, um, it is expensive, and that's and that's why the games don't sell out. Yeah. But but if I, I think if we're in a uh, uh, if we're being successful on on and on and off the pitch in the sport, then those games, you know, like the, the Friday, for example, if you want a mismanagement example, the Friday night game against France last mm. year, about 10,000 people missing. Yeah. To, to witness a, an almost a once in a generation side in France. Yeah. Uh, 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 and because of the timing to the game, uh, and that's cost the WIU about a million pound mm. because that's about 10,000 tickets, a million pound, plus whatever they would have spent in the stadium. So that, that kind of, uh, again, uh, we're not, convinced that they get to decide all their fixtures because the TV people are going to be saying it, but they should veto they should veto Friday nights in Cardiff because people can't get from all parts of Wales to Cardiff without yeah. taking time off work and travelling all fucking day. So um, things like that. I mean, just small things like that would help. Yeah, absolutely agree. Just to finish then on uh, on the, the, the Welsh politics issue, one thing that, that we didn't mention in there uh, is that the announcement of an independent task force to look specifically into into the culture. Um, mm. Are you happy that that's that's going to be kind of enough to address these things, or, or give enough concrete evidence and findings to be able to to implement change within the union? Well, I hope so, but it just sounds like Westminster speak mm. to me, an external task force to oversee. Just it sounds like the type of thing that this government and others they don't want to get partisan on anyone does to kick things into the long grass um i don't know if the wiu can get away with that but definitely up in westminster yeah. that's the kind of thing set up a, a, a supposedly independent body outside of a thing and uh, every time someone asks you about the next 18 months you say you have to wait for the results of the inquiry and then when the, if the results of the inquiry aren't you like and you just don't publish it mm. so you know I, I i don't know if the wiu are going to get away with that kind of thing but because you know, it it looks like it's being run by the Welsh government, uh, but um, even then, you know, uh, we, we've been over this before. Uh, the WIU weren't getting asked the difficult questions for a long time, were they? Or the, the BBC, for mm. example, wasn't being very critical, and uh, that, that's we suspect a lot of them go to the same members' club or the same restaurants on a regular basis, and it's all a bit cosy and inbred. And uh, sometimes I think uh, there's a closeness between. Uh, top politicians in this country in the WIU. Well, what I would say on that front, and I've definitely been critical, uh, or we, you know, we were critical last last season of uh, of the BBC, and um, 
I think it's fair to say they've they've you know they've taken that they've taken this this issue on massively. And I thought uh, on Scrum Five as well that was a uh, you know what I remember Scrum Five being from 10, 15 years ago where there were genuinely big yeah. issues debated. Well, I think they've had to there. though, haven't they? Yeah. They've had to because I think they were ignoring it for a long time. But then things have reached ahead in the, reached, reached ahead in the last, I don't know, two, three months maybe. Mm. And they've, they've, they've started to look more closely at it. But for a long time, they were, they were ignoring, you know, the, 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 the the agreement situation was running for a long time and they would never go there, would never ask anyone, they would never, make, no one on there would make any sort mm. of uh, uh, complaints about the way it's being handled by the WIU and it just sort of exploded in, yeah. <laughs> in the last few weeks really. So, um, yeah, I, I wonder if, if things hadn't got that bad with the WIU, whether they would, whether they would have bothered being, uh, whether they would have bothered directing any scrutiny at it at all but they, they didn't have any choice at the end because it was just so bad the situation was so bad yeah well yeah no, that, that might be the case but none, nonetheless I thought that was um yeah exactly what I kind of wanted to wanted to see from that from that yeah, show. and the most the most kind of engaging episode of uh, of scrum five since the uh since the Alfie or the Ruddock gate one <laughs> which yeah. you may remember yeah. the head honcho at BBC Wales at the time was Nigel Walker. Nigel Walker, yeah, there you go. Mm. Things go mm. full circle, eh? Um, mm. Right, well, we'll be going full circle or possibly round and round in circles when we try and pick the bones out of the Six Nations and what's going to happen. So in order to do that, we're going to take a quick break and let Murph go and top his Guinness up. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time then for the Six Nations preview. Uh, I'd sent you your homework, Murph. Uh, I, don't, oh, I don't know if you've got yeah. it. Have you done anything towards it? I've, done, we... I've kind of done some homework. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be as... I don't think I can... Um, I think I can live up to last year's record. I don't feel like I've got that level of... I, I re-listened to last year's episode. It was just me and Killick for some reason. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I, definitely remember, made, yeah. I definitely made predictions. We must, have done a, we must have done a very similar one the year before. And, ah. Uh, um, and yeah, I've yeah. obviously been recycling the same format for every Six Nations preview we do. <laughs> um, oh, so I wasn't in last year. No, right, okay. Yeah, I can't think what uh, I can't think. What, time, I mean, like what time means nothing anymore since the pandemic. So no, I know, but a Dan Killick appearance on this podcast are as rare as hen's teeth, aren't they? So, uh, so I thought yeah. I thought I would have had that one. Um, that one com- uh, committed to memory. But anyway, what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you for the winner of the tournament, mm-hmm. the wooden spoon. The player of the tournament, the top try scorer, the breakout player, and uh, just generally we're going to have a good old discussion about where we think people are going to finish. So we'll both be doing this, but let's start with the big honours. Who is going to win this year's Six Nations? I I, I lean towards France, but the fact that they're playing Dublin, in Dublin, Ireland away, I lean towards Ireland. I am. I'm not leaning towards them. I am picking Ireland. Yeah, I've done. I mean, it's not controversial. Bookie's favourite, mm. world number one. I've done the same. 
However, it might become a bit more controversial when, or not controversial, but um, a bit more up for debate when I say I don't think they're going to do the Grand Slam. And as I may or may not have said on here before, I think the game they'll lose is this week away <sighs> in Cardiff. I'm, I'm going for it. I just think there's a big performance in Wales. A lot of those players will be hurting from the last couple of seasons. Gatland will have them drilled. I think there is that siege mentality that he seems to thrive upon. You know, if you cast your mind back to the last Grand Slam and there was all that talk of winding up the Ospreys and and everything else going into the Grand Slam game, I think he does a very, very good job of creating a siege mentality when there's all kinds of shit flying around outside, which, you know, as we've discussed, is most years in Welsh rugby. Um, and I think he's going to be excited to to get a crack with these set of players. So... I think that will be enough to get Wales off to a flyer. And I think it will come down to the last game. I think I think we'll win the Triple Crown. Um, but I think France will beat us in the final game. And I think, because of bonus points, Ireland may just pip us overall. Um, mm. So, there you have it. I'm... I'm- I'm all for that. I mean, you you had me at we'll win the first game. <laughs> um, and, you know, a lot of people are talking France down at the moment, saying they peaked last year and various oh, things. I, but I don't think that. I, I don't, no, no, you were. Other people. Uh, and I, I think they, they, they won all the autumn games without getting out of second gear. Um, people are kind of jumping on the fact that Dante is injured and... Uh, yeah, Wocky's out as well, isn't he? Cameron Wocky's injured, but the depth is just they're just going to move Gail Figu into 12 and then bring in some other monster at 13 uh, 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 and you know they have got a few injuries at second row but they you know they can manage in second row and uh, if they got us there's players who can't get in the first team just re, they, players can't get in their first team or even in their squad walk into nearly every squad in, in the tournament like uh, Bougarit the hooker from La Rochelle can't get in the squad like his first choice for us and Scotland, um, possibly Ireland as well. Mm. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, you can't tell with England because he's got a new coach. You don't know who he'd pick. Eddie Jones wouldn't pick Bougarit. I guarantee that. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and then you've got the, the, the fullback, the fullback position in France. It's, it's ridiculous. Sad, it? Yeah. Boutier, is, he, I think he's in the squad, but he's nowhere near getting first choice. And then someone like Jaminet can't get picked because of Thomas Ramos. Um, who I don't think is an actually, I don't think you can actually say he's a better fullback than the other two, but he, he fills in a 10 all the yeah. time during the game. And that's what they like about him. Um, so it's, it's a ridiculous, it, you know, and, and I said to you off here that if, if you go through the French squad as picked for this, for this tournament, there's tons of names that unless you're an avid follower of the top 14, you won't, you won't be familiar with them at all. And the fact that they can break into the squad means they must be, playing really well at the moment so you know that the bit you said about uh, breakthrough player mm. i think there's probably or possibly five breakthrough players in the french squad in the french squad that we, we are not really that familiar with yet who could just take you could just set it alight you know if they have a good tournament um so uh, if it wasn't for the fact that the 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 the, if the Ireland-France game was in France, I would definitely be picking France. Yeah, 100%. And likewise, one that's probably less, um, has been less publicised is the fact that they're away to England as well. And for whatever reason, 
they have just got an absolutely shocking record. Um, yeah, well, they were robbed it, weren't they, two years ago? Yeah, what happened there? There was some weird decision or something at the end where, I can't remember, but they, they lost in, the, in kind of injury time, having played uh, really well. I can't remember the details of it now, but um, even as a non-French man, I felt like I'd been robbed by that game. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. I, I, you're, you're right, though. I mean, they do struggle over there, but and and if if uh, Borthwick gets them, he took he actually took quite a long time to get Leicester playing well, you know, Borthwick. So uh, be interesting to see if he can um, speed that up. In the England squad. I, I don't think I don't think they're going to get worse. You know, I, I think they were in a really bad place in the autumn. I think he'll definitely improve them, but I don't know if he, he can. It's a, it's a tricky one to improve them that much that quickly. I, I think um, what you can expect from him though is you're absolutely right with Leicester, but I suppose as we say before with with club um, with club coaching. There is a degree that you have to rely on recruitment and you know and have a, a summer to be able to to bring players in and 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 for that to really make an impact. What mm. he does have with England is he's got uh, a wealth of talent to select from. You know, a huge player base, hell of a lot of injuries and a lot of um, mm. you know a lot of senior players not there at the moment. So it's going to be really really interesting to see what side he picks. Yeah, uh, but I, well, I, I, I like the squad squad selection. Is right, yeah. Though. What I, what I do uh, think he will get right, sorry, is um, is he will just go nuts and bolts. You know what he was like as a player, and that's what yeah, he's like as a coach. Yeah. They'll have a good set piece again. They'll have a mean pack. They won't have a fucking clue what to do in the backs. I don't think, but I think they will, as in which players to select. But I think they'll have a game plan. They'll know how to play, and it will be. I think they will have too much power at home in order for uh, for for you know. I think Scotland might give them a run, but I think England will be too powerful. Um, and mm. I think the same might be it might be the same for the French game as well. So um, mm. even though I don't see France winning this year's championship, I still think they'll win the World Cup. Yeah, uh, just on his Sportwick selection, the, the, one of the most damning things about Eddie Jones uh, when he was in charge is he was ignoring all the up and coming players. Mm. He ignored Marcus Smith for a long time. And more recently, he's been ignoring Caden Murley and Ollie Hassel Collins in favour of people like Johnny Gray, whose legs are gone. Johnny, Johnny, Le- Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Gray. Johnny May. Johnny Gray, <laughs> second row. Johnny May, uh, the winger for England. He was, uh, he was also Johnny Legs then, as part of that. Johnny Legs. His enjoyed. legs are gone, yeah. Uh, he, he's um, obviously in his prime, great player, but his, his high-end, as you might call it, international pace is no longer with him. And um, same goes for... Um, Oh fuck! Um, winger for Leicester, uh, winger for Exeter. who was just about to leave. Jack Noel. Jack Noel. His high-end pace is gone. Not that he was ever a flyer, mm. anyway. He was more of a power. And then in one game, he had Jack Noel on one wing and Cock and a singer on the other. And I, I think I mentioned it on here. There's just a serious lack of pace in yeah. the whole side then. Um, and uh, both of us come straight in and picked Caden Murley, uh, Ollie Hassel Collins, yeah. and others who are just like fresh international speed players. Yeah. And um, that that alone tells you that the things are going in the right direction. I think with the English side, where you know, like I say, I, if they can get themselves uh, playing well enough to to uh, 
figure in the in the whole winning the whole thing straight away i don't know but that like even even if eddie murphy eddie murphy <laughs> <laughs> good, good even, if, even if eddie jones has stayed Put the guinness down son yeah i'm only on one <laughs> even if eddie jones has stayed they still probably wouldn't have lost any home games yeah well uh, yeah uh, i mean that and that's going to be the case now with Borthwick. Yeah, that's the thing is I think it's it is still um an incredibly difficult place to to go and win. I think the if Eddie Jones had stayed, I think they might have lost some games at home because I just think things were going a bit nuts there. Even though a lot of senior players came out after he lost his job and were very supportive of him. I think you know, I think a lot of, I don't think it's one of those where he lost the camp, if I'm honest. I just think they were confused no. and didn't know what to do. And yeah. And it kind of looked like that. But um, I, I could. Well, he was very faithful to a lot of players, wasn't yeah. he? So I imagine there are some who feel really, really close to him. But um, no doubt, in the over the course of the next eleven months, he'll say something offensive and stupid to all of them in, in publicly, uh, as he as he as he likes to, and uh, we will see then. But um, yeah, the, for the ones you know, he stood by quite a lot of them, and he for through thick and thin, and and been very loyal. So I'd imagine some of them do do. Uh, uh, still feel fondly about him. Well, here's how I think it might play out for England. I can see them getting off to a winning start against Scotland. Scotland aren't necessarily the, the quickest starters, and I know they've kind of rectified their their Twickenham losing streak by winning in 2021. But empty house, it's a bit. It's a, it's a very very different. Um, well, they're totally different. You know, they'll totally get, different. They'll get yeah. They'll get a sight of all that Harris tweed and. A waft of a waft of uh, pheasant in the air, and uh, and all of a sudden you'll be, you'll be reminded <laughs> well, you're at Twickenham. Well, it's the referee more than anything else. Mm. The referee, I don't care. Well, I think the pandemic proved it. The referee gets influenced by the crowd. Exactly. I've got to stop this Guinness. Um, yeah, and and in, in in empty in empty stadiums across all sports, we noticed more away victories in mm. in um, in games. And that might be, I'm not saying that's the only reason Scotland won at Twickenham last time, but uh, across an averaged out a number of games, there was there was more away wins in sport yeah. generally during the pandemic with no home crowd. So it's definitely going to make a difference um, this time round. So, um, so I can, yeah. you know, where, where, where's the point in having a home game if you can't well, exactly. uh, yeah, yeah. if you can't influence the ref? Yeah. So I think they'll get off to they'll get off to a winning start there. Then it's off to Italy. And then, you know, I presume there'll be two from two at this point. Um, then, it's, um, then it's down to Cardiff for game three. Mm. Now, at this point, I'm just looking back at what history has taught me. And if England are two from two coming to Cardiff, then the media will already be handing them the title. I can even mark my words, that's what <laughs> will be happening. And yeah. I just think, yeah, I don't know. I, like I say, I don't see us winning the whole thing, but I think there's... I think there's a triple crown up for grabs here, you know. I really do. I think there's there's every chance if we can get a tune out of the early doors. Um, but it all hinges on that first game. And and if you if you can get Ireland first up, I think that's when you want to play them because you may just. I'm, I don't think there's any complacency there, but you may just catch them cold. And Sexton hasn't played a lot of rugby, and he is mm. their only weakness in as much as he's irreplaceable for them. And mm. you know, I, I, he, there's, there's no. I don't think there's any suggestion this week he's not going to be fit, but he has been rested and wrapped in cotton wool 
for this very very reason and they are a different side if um if Sexton's not fit you know lots was made lots is always made about them peaking too soon around world cups but in 2019 I don't think it was so much that they peaked too soon it was the fact that they lost they lost Sexton and when they yeah. lose Sexton the whole thing falls apart and you know it, it shows what a brilliant player he is and how influential he is but it also is is their Achilles heel yeah, and I mean, 2019 was peak Sexton as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, in his prime kind of thing. So, um, yeah, but I, I, I lean towards us playing well, much better than we have in the last uh, few months, but still losing mm. to a side that's been together longer or has been in a, playing to a system that they're yeah. familiar with longer because we're going to be under new, broadly speaking, uh, new way of playing. And uh, that'll take a while to get used to. I think we'll play well and, and just come up short and give everyone kind of... Uh, if there's a lack... This is, <laughs> this is <laughs> where our expect, expectations are at the moment. If there's a lack of ineptitude in our performance, then everyone's going to be happy with that. No, I mean, that, that is spoken like, uh, spoken like a fan <laughs> who's watched uh, a Wayne Pivot Wales for the last couple of years, isn't it? <laughs> well, exactly. If everyone looks like they've met before, <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. We, you know, we've got you've uh, got to get the nuts and bolts right, but I, I yeah. think the uh, the ingredients are there. We haven't got a huge stack of injuries for uh, going into that first game, which normally we seem to. I think it's you know aside from yeah. I, I mean losing Dari Lake is, is a definite blow, but mm. he obviously wouldn't have started anyway. Um, and we're missing Anscombe, which you know has largely been the part for the bet for the last four years anyway. Mm. We miss who else? Are we missing. Uh, Liam Williams is dodgy, isn't he? Yes, he, he is fit though. Yeah, um, but he's not hundred percent. I mean, he, he had his comeback and then went off injured mm. in that game. So, um, but uh, oh, um, Webb was nursing. An Scott Baldwin well. is back in. And Baldwin's back for, in for, for Derry League, League. So, yeah, nothing. Not a massive amount. Yeah, so you no, know, uh, I, I might be just placing blind faith in in kind of Gatlin returning and uh, and picking up and doing what he's kind of done in the past. But um, mm. yeah, it all hinges on that first game. You know, I think if we lose that one, then you can ignore everything I've said, um, which you may want to do anyway. Uh, well, listen, there's a boy in my uh, club in our team at the Wanderers who is doing a degree in ah no something to do with sports analysis mm. or some 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 background job in sport. And he, he's on placement with the Welsh rugby team. Really? So he's been in... I, I, I haven't spoken to him directly. I've heard from other people at the club. He's been in and around the squad for the last whatever. And he's, uh, from what I can tell, most of the time, it's just everyone sat around listening to Warren and hanging on every single word that comes out of his mouth. Mm. That is an, an awful lot of that going on whereas uh, I, I mean it, the the kid in question wasn't there for the PVAC setup but uh, he just apparently struck a chord with him that it's just one bloke sat there and everyone sat around him just hanging on every single word that come out of his mouth for quite a long time as well you know I suppose a, f a few sentences on a motivational speech everyone can kind of yeah. hold your attention but when it's going on and on and on to still be holding everyone's attention um yeah, so I, I I don't know if that's going to help. <laughs> well, it'll be you know, I think this is it, though, is we all know what, what to expect from Gatlin. I don't mean the game plan stuff that 
I think at times was kind of unfairly thrown around the Warren Ball stuff. I think he selected a game plan that suited the players that he had there and yeah. did try and evolve it. And I think, like you said before, in 2019, I think the World Cup would have been different had Anscombe stayed fit. And I think, mm. you know, we we kind of settled on that on that side at that point. Uh, you know, yeah. if you remember, with Bigger coming off to close, close games off and, and doing a brilliant job doing it. Yeah, and also throughout most of his tenure, he didn't have um, a 12 uh, with footballing skills no. of international quality. So there was no, you know, it was Jamie Roberts and, and then the backup was another similar, a small of Jamie Roberts. Yeah. Uh, and Jonathan Davis, although he, he could um, uh, distribute, he wasn't an out-and-out, you know, he wasn't an out-and-out footballing no, 13, I, I, defensive 13. Defensive 13, but with... Yeah. And, and he, well, he had great attack. So he, he had to play... To, to their strengths, if yeah. you know what I mean. But his, his attacking threat was his was his try scoring ability and his um, you yeah. know his powerful fend and and when he was younger, you know that kind of explosive burst of pace. Yeah, you're right. It wasn't um, it wasn't really foot, footballing skills. It wasn't Conrad Smith. No, no, it's different, and, and therefore that you know those were the two best players, and it dictated what we were going to try and do. I think. Um, yeah, exactly. Until Hadley Parts arrived. Yeah. Which uh, yeah, which exactly, which changed things somewhat. Um, right, so if we're both settled on Ireland, are going to win it then? Perhaps in in different ways that we're predicting, but let's go for that. Yeah. Wooden spoon. Obviously, we predict Italy every year. Um, having listened back to last year's prediction, I did. Um, I did have an outside feeling they were going <laughs> to they were going to turn us over, and so it and so it um, so it turned out. Right. Italy got another win in them this year. Yeah, I, I think um, they're a lot better side than they were in previous seasons. Yeah, they are. Uh, I don't think we'll f- have any major calamity, calamitous efforts this year. Mm. Obviously, good sides will beat us, but I don't think we're going to cave in against weaker sides. And I, so I think I, I, I'm going to actually predict Scotland for the uh, oh, yeah. yeah, just to be Tommy opposite more than anything else. You know, I think if Italy can kick on again from last year's Six Nations and from uh, the autumn, they had a quite a good autumn, not not an outstanding autumn, but a tidy autumn by their standards. And um, if they can kick on again, then um, I can't remember if they're playing in uh, Scotland home or away. But either way, I think I think um, I think that could be the way it pans out. It strikes me that Italy are kind of playing with the shackles off now. I think they're realising that they've got. Players with potential, they can do things. They've got an exciting set of players. They've got the monkey off their back by by beating Wales last year. So it's not whatever it was, 37, 38 games without a win in the Six Nations. And I think that's going to be quite liberating for them. But at the same time, no one's expecting them to, no one's expecting them to, you know, to win three or four games or anything. So I I do feel like they've got a good opportunity. They've got a really good coach in Kieran Crowley. uh, And I think he's... um, I think he's going to help them improve. Their under twenties have been good for a number of seasons. They've beaten us. Yeah, that's the difference, times. really. In it, yeah, is that that they're churning out quality players like Capusto, who's the kind of the, the one who gets all the attention. Um, but there's been a there's been a bit of a conveyor belt of good young players coming through, and that I think if they continue, I don't know if they're going to continue churning out players of that quality all the time now. But it, it, these players stay in the side over a number of seasons. It, the, the side is going to just uh, go from strength to strength, I think. Whether that's enough, you know, because they're missing pretty big dogs. But um, I, I don't think we're going to be in another 
seasons on seasons on end period of them not able to win a game. Well, interestingly, Scotland meet Italy on the final day, and you know, obviously it's hard to predict, but there is every chance that that could be like a proper winner winner avoids the wooden spoon. Yeah. Yeah, wooden spoon to I mean, it might, you know, I don't know, Scotland might have beaten us at home. Anything could have happened, but um, yeah. it, it could be, a you know, a everything everything to play for there. And mm. it, it is at Murrayfield, but again, um, Italy, Italy have won there before. And I kind of feel like it's a little bit make or break for Scotland, this Six Nations, because they've had so many times where oh, they're on the verge of something, on the verge of something. And I feel like people have stopped saying that now. And there is a, a slight danger that, I don't know, that Gregor's heading into a bit of a lame duck period where he kind of, mm. you know, he's got eight months to run on his contract or whatever till the end of the World Cup. He made that big statement by dropping Finn Russell and then Finn Russell comes back in and plays a blinder and you realise that I think if Scotland are to do anything, they have to have Finn Russell playing at his best and he has to be given the freedom to be Finn Russell. And... I just wonder how that balancing act is is going to work because it has backfired. Yeah, no, it has. Uh, he's simultaneously the, the the key to them winning anything, and mm. also the one who's going to give it away. Mm. Uh, but I just think the the, the, the defence is much better than it used to be uh, in Scotland, and if they just constant a little bit like um, England in a way, if they concentrate on the nuts and bolts of their game. They've just got to back their creative players from there, and uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know what else. You know, they're not going to steamroller anyone in any other fashion. Like they've got to, um, they've got to go for it. You know. Well, look, they've had good results, uh, big notable wins against England and what have you in uh, in recent seasons. It's just in between those big wins, they they're shaky and kind of inconsistent. So. Um, whenever whenever any side is going through uh, inconsistency, it's always always keep working on the nuts and bolts of the mm-hmm. game. And um, I, I don't. I, I in a way, if you do that, you, you take the emphasis off Finn Russell because sometimes you try they're in positions where they're trying to they're behind or, or, or their things are not going well, and they're looking for him to do something extraordinary to turn the game around. And when he's trying to do something extraordinary all the time, is when he does something mental and gives it away. Um, so if they were better playing better in the other 14 positions on the pitch yeah. then we'd be less less focus on on Finn Russell doing something remarkable to win the game for him if you know what I mean yeah I do um, yeah you're absolutely right and the other point that you mentioned is they they tend to have a good result every season but haven't had the consistency so yes you know they'll do something like beat England and then fail to back it up against against us um, yeah but yeah, it's just seeing where that where that win is going to come from this season. Um, but if you're going for Scotland wooden spoon, I will go for Italy just so we're not doing the same thing. I'm going to say it's going to come down to that final game, both sides yeah. not having won, and I think Scotland will really just have to, um, yeah, we'll, we'll do enough to, I mean, to get over the line in that one. I, I really hope there's not many Scottish listeners because it's quite an insulting thing to pick, really, isn't it? In in previous years, I think it would have been insulting and. I just think that the standard of this tournament is is so much higher than it has been um, in previous years. You know, you've got the best two sides in the world, I think, in, in France and Ireland. 
South Africa would be would be in the mix as well. Um, mm. And so I think you've got the best two sides. England are always hard to beat at home. Wales have got have got Gatland back, which I think will have a positive impact. And so I, you know, I don't I don't think it's certainly not born out of any place of wanting to see Scotland do badly or anything like that. Um, I would say, largely speaking, they'd be my second side actually, just purely because I love watching Finn Russell play. Um, but yeah, we'll um, mm. we'll see. Yeah, no, I, 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 every Welshman loves a, a Scotland away trip oh, for beautiful. sure. It's you know, everyone's got thing, a soft, soft spot for them. But um, I just, if in a way, it feels like this golden generation that mm. they've kind of got around the side is, uh, you know, basically Finn Russell and, and um, Stuart Hogg, and, and maybe some of the forwards are coming towards the end of their time, and and it, their chance might have passed. To, to achieve what they that they were potentially going to achieve, and um, there might be a side on the way down now, and and for that reason, and also just to be Tommy opposite is why I picked them for the wooden spoon. Fair enough. Right, let's go on to the next uh, to the next category. I can't remember which order I uh, I said them in now, but let's go for. Um, do you want to go for player of the tournament? Or top try scorer. I've lost you there, Murph. Can't hear you for some reason. Oh, sorry. I meant to press something I shouldn't have. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, the list is uh, uh, winners, wooden spoon, top try scorer. Let's go top try scorer. And then play the tournament and then breakthrough. All right, perfect. Top try scorer. Who are you going for? Um, probably the same as I went for last year, which is Damien Pinot. Okay. If, if France go well, he scores all the tries. Then um, it's settled. Yeah, and, and I, I'm not even sure who the out-and-out first-choice wingers are at Ireland at the well, moment. Well, this is you it, know, isn't it? Stockdale's back Mac in the Hansen squad. Mac Hansen on one, and Stockdale's back, yeah, and um, uh, James Lowe and what have you. So, and they're all a little bit interchangeable. It's, it's their kind of their midfield that is mm. more consistent. Um, so you you definitely know that Damien Pinot is going to be out-and-out first-choice with um, whoever's fit on the other wing, probably Gavin Villiers. I think he's just come back, back to the fitness. squad, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, and uh, do you know what? that's a pretty hard argument to to break from, isn't it? Um, but seeing as I, and this is so unlike me, seeing as I'm being so upbeat and positive about Wales, um, let's let's continue in that vein, shall we? And I'm going to say, jo- Go I'm going to say Josh Adams. Okay. Well, do you know what I, I, I what I don't want is if it to be whoever is in the middle of someone's dri- driven line out all tournament. Mm. I don't want that to be the top prize. I don't want it to be Gregory Aldrete. You know, or or whoever uh, Marshall, uh, yeah, Marshall, yeah, Julian Marshall. It's usually the hookers, isn't it? Just stood at the yeah. stood at the back and then. Is their last to arrive, so they have the ball. And I hope it's a guy who, an open play type of guy who picks it up. And so, Damian Pinot was unbelievable in the autumn. I mean, unbelievable. Turned games single-handedly, seemed like. And um, I hope he's. I hope we get to see him in full flow for the whole tournament. Yeah, that's a good shout. Well, yeah, you you go with Damien Pinot. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Josh Adams, seeing as this is. Um, and again, I think if I if I remember correctly from any of these previous Six Nations previews, I'm always incredibly downbeat about Wales's chances in them. Even if I secretly think we're going to do well, I never say it, and I normally predict England to do a grand slam, and then uh, and then more often than not, it's blown up. Um, so I hope this doesn't blow up in our direction this time round. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with Josh Adams. Um, player of the tournament then? Um, 
now this is really i think it's really competitive mm. this, because there's uh, any number of irish players yeah. um any obviously i mean any number that the world's best player any number of frenchmen could win it um being being uh a functional side again could see one of the like a Marcus Smith, well, he's not going to be first choice if Owen Farrell is captain, but it could see any, you know, like any of the exciting young players that England got take it. So, um, uh, unlike the wooden spoon selection, I'm going to play it safe and say Antoine Dupont. Fair enough. That's a that's a decent shout. I'm having said that Ireland, I think Ireland are going to win it. I suppose I should go for an Irish player, mm. and um. Again, I think the the obvious selection would be someone like a Tyke Furlong, and there's every every chance to do that. But um, I feel I feel like I'm going to go for one of the back rowers, and again, just the the sheer depth that they've got in the back row. Um, I'm going to go for Van der Fleer because you know, I imagine he's going to play World Rugby Player of the Year, isn't he? I think so. Um, mm. I'm not exactly plucking someone out of obscurity, um, <laughs> but but I do think he's a magnificent player and. Um, mm has been superb for them. He was, he was absolutely phenomenal when they were out in New Zealand. And um, he's just, I think he fits that mould of test match animal. Um, uh, yeah, I think the only, the only reason that perhaps at times he, he hasn't had more recognition is his injuries have caught up with him every now and again. And mm. um, you know what it's like in Ireland, there's there's always someone ready to step into your shoes. So, uh, but I, th- I, think he's a, I think he's a wonderful player and I think he's a complete pest and he's incredible physical attribute so uh yeah i'm gonna go well, you know like I, I suppose every world-class open side his engine is just ridiculous mm-hmm. uh and yeah i think the other remarkable thing about josh van der fly van der Fleer is if he took off his scrump cap he could walk through westgate street yeah. on match day and no one would have a fucking clue who he was yeah. he's just you know he's just quite anonymous um unlike if you pick the the rest of the players in the running for world player of the year you know everyone would recognize him straight away whereas um i suppose partly because of the scrum cap and partly because he's got his face in the dirt nearly all the time yeah that's true and uh, he's just not a recognizable face on tv which leaves then just breakthrough player is that right uh let me just check my list <laughs> uh yes yes and i'm going wishful thinking on this one oh you're gonna steal mine <laughs> should we on three should we say his name yeah. one two three Chris Chunza, Chris Chunza. <laughs> <laughs> pathetic pathetic old men uh, <laughs> I mean it's not even guaranteed to start or be picked no but I was listening uh, for research purposes to another that shall rem- remain nameless uh, rugby podcast uh, you know the Harlequins one and um, they had uh, they had some uh, some interviews with, with the head coaches this um, this week and they asked and they asked this very question about breakthrough player which I've not lifted from them because I lifted it from myself several years ago which in turn mm. probably lifted it from every music award ceremony um, and they asked Gatland who they thought breakthrough player was and clearly caught him on the hop and his answer was Chris Chunza um, mm. and from there you just think he's obviously impressed in that much he's going to get some game time and like I've said before, Gatlin will be looking at the squad of players he's got and he knows that he's got to inject a bit of X factor into into there somewhere. He's got he knows the trusted left handers. He knows he's got Alan Jones and Ken Owens and 
bigger and tipper and all these players he knows and trusts but you'll also know that he needs to inject a bit of um a bit of x factor in there as well as he did in 2011 <laughs> with Warburton and, and Falatau, um, and as he as he did in in twenty nine in twenty nineteen with with Wainwright, kind of almost coming from nowhere to to mm. be an integral part of his back row, and I think it's going to be Chunza, and the world is going. We're picking our side tonight as well. Yeah, if you got time, Murph. I got time because that's the thing, isn't it? Like uh, the back row is just so hard. I don't think without any inside knowledge, I don't think you could predict what the back row is going to be. You could only really say with any confidence that Toby Falata will be eight. You can't confidently say who the seven is or the blind side at this stage. Well, I tell you what, why don't we leave that there for our overall Six Nations preview? We'll take a quick break and we'll come back and we're going to pick our side. Okay. Well, I thought about the army Dad said, son, you're fucking high Right then, without further ado, Murph, it's Wales versus Ireland this Saturday. It's an after. Can I backtrack on you a little bit first, if you don't mind? Not at all. You know the breakthrough player? Mm. We, 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 we both chose the same mm. guy. And normally I try not to... I mean, it's funny that we pick the same guy, I suppose. Uh, there's, there's the issue with Shunza of line-out presence as well. Mm. And if you, want, if you want to be competitive uh, it, throughout any major international tournament, you need our set piece to be better than it has been. 100%. And one of the ways, one of the ways is having the third, the third giant in the side. Uh, but outside of Shinza, we said, we just, I just mentioned that um, he's not guaranteed to start any games. Um, if I was looking at alternatives um, outside Wales and, and just to be different from you, uh, I mentioned him earlier, Caden Murley. Yeah. Um, if they go well, he, he's going to get opportunities. And also, and I've got no idea if again if he'll start. But Jamie Osborne, the um, yeah, he's going to be in the squad. Well, he is in the squad because of Henshaw's injury and what have you. But he is so impressive, like massive, but also tons of footwork and hands, and just a complete, a complete, a little bit like Gary Ringrose when he arrived, mm. a completely rounded player, uh, uh, almost immediately uh, on his arrival and uh, on the scene. So um, uh, I, I can't be 100% sure that either is going to be... Well, the, I can't be 100% sure about Shunzer either. Yeah, but that's but, the nature um, of a breakthrough player, isn't it? Is that they're kind of, you know... Yeah. Throwing our well, great, I, great breakthrough player, Ange Caputso, you know, he's, he's broken through. He's, he's there. Yeah, you're right. But there's a, there's a few boys who kind of had runouts in the autumn in previous seasons. And then, and then mm. like, uh, Louis uh, Samet is the best example. He had a few sub-appearances in the autumn and then the following season he was out in our first choice and had a great tournament but um those those are the kind of they, they, if you go through the uh, uh, a lot of the squads there's not that many new players in there so you, picking a breakthrough guy is, is quite tricky because you know there's loads of names uh, like i mentioned earlier in the french squad they've never heard of so any one of those is going to be a breakthrough, but I, I I don't even know a lot of them. I don't even know what position they are. So uh, that that's trickier. But um, if I was looking outside Shunza, and I really hope I think if if Shunza is picked and has a good tournament, Wales are going to do really well because it means we we'll have a great set piece throughout the whole tournament. I think. Um, but if I was looking outside of Shunza, then then um, I'd have to go Caden Murley, and um, uh, there's a few, there's a few new faces actually around the England squad, but Jamie Osborne is the other eye catcher. I think. I genuinely think that all of this optimism that I've got in my head is built around, is built around Chris Chunza. I just honestly, <laughs> I you know, 
as you know, I don't, yeah. I don't follow the English Premiership that much. But whenever I've, you know, I make a point of of trying to watch him whenever I can because he is just, um, just a magnificent player. I, I think he's just he could add so much to our back row. And I, you know, I've mm. said in the past, I'm, I've never historically been a massive fan of the kind of lock six hybrid. But I think most sides in the world do it now, and it's needed for a, for a number of reasons. The way the game is collisions mm. ball carrying line out and these are all the areas that we've that we've been really really weak at in uh, in recent times line out line out you've mentioned but we've been so short on ball carriers in uh, in recent times getting any any yeah. front foot ball is making life that much harder um mm. and just you know smashing people out of the way at the breakdown as well securing our own ball so i, I think he, he could add so much and yeah but it does and this brings us on to team selection We've been saying, you know, I think there seems to be a consensus to me in any article I read that it's going to be two of Reffel, Tipperick and Morgan. And I just think you've got to get the system right before picking the personnel. And I think the system is a proper six or a, a six lock, Toby, and then a proper out and out seven. And I think any of those three do fit the mould of an out and out seven. Um that's what I would pick. I, I would only pick one of those. I, 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 I can tell that people, and possibly Gatland as well, favour picking two of these. Everyone will have their favourites, won't they? Throughout, uh, of these three great open sides you've got, everyone will have their favourites. A lot of people will have a, a lot of uh, kind of um, emotional attachment to Tiprick because he's been there so long and he is stupendous, you know. Um, but I just think for the, for the purposes of the, of the for the benefit of the team as a whole, only one of them plays, yeah. in my opinion. That's what I would pick. Um, and should we start? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right, let's let's go front row. Uh, oh, surprise, surprise! Reese Carey, uh, obviously uh, the sheriff starts because he's captain, and Thomas Francis. Uh, I would sub out Reese Carey for Gareth Thomas, um, mm-hmm. just purely for the scrummaging option. Um, I think the fact that, and I think, yeah, James Hook mentioned this on Scrum 5 last night, the the hard time that the Ospreys pack gave Leinster the other night will be encouraging. And, and for that reason, I would just want the strongest scrummager on there. And that's what that's what Gareth Thomas does, knowing that... Ironically, you, mm, most of that was Nicky Smith. It was Nicky Smith, but we, just, we haven't got time to <laughs> yeah. open that box of worms as to why he's not yeah. on the side. Um, yeah. But Thomas, you know, is, um, you know, he's arguably as good a scrummager, certainly a, a similar calibre of scrummager, I would say, um, to Nicky Smith. And mm. so I have it. I, I think I think in a good unit that Rhys Carey is a good scrummager as yeah. well. Um, and I hope we get to see that this this tournament. But I think, I think they, they, I think you're right about, I think your selection is more in line with what Gatland to do. But I think um, they may go for Rhys Carey as a, a carrier late on. You know, the deep, the argument for his detractors was his work rate throughout the game. Mm. Well, if he's only on for 20 minutes, then work rate's not going to be an issue. So maybe that'll be the way to go with him. Yeah, and, and again, it's just always those things, being able to bring him off the bench. Um, but again, you, you know, you do miss out on that ball carrying during the uh, during the game. And that and he is obviously, again, an X-factor ball carrier. But I would just... I would just the shortage you, of them as well. So. Yeah, I would just say you've got to have um, you've got to have your strongest scrummaging lineup to start with, and that would be yeah. that would be it for me. Um, second row. 
Well, it's it's beard pretty plus. much, yeah, because um, Will Rowland's absence mm. for me it just means Beard and Alamin Jones. Not tempted with Reese Davis. No, no, not 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 starting. Okay, no. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I thought I'd go with this. I'd go with the same as you actually. Um, and then the all important back row. So we've established that six six should be Chunza. Yeah. Eight will be uh, no competition. Uh, and my my preference is Tommy Raffle. I I would have no problem watching Tommy Raffle there whatsoever. Um, I love Justin Tipperick, one of my favourite players ever. But I just think that the other two are, are stronger over the ball, and I think I've I mean I've gone back and forth with this in my own head so many times. But I would just go Jack Morgan for his all-round game, and again that kind of carrying ability. Um, mm. But I, you know, if he goes with, I think if he goes with one of any of those at seven, with a with a back race close to what we suggested, I will be really excited to watch, um, regardless of yeah. who's in there. Um, uh, my my preference for Tommy Raffle is based. Uh, Oh, I got that preference anyway, but especially against Ireland, mm. if you can't slow down their ball, yeah, there's no hope for you. Agreed. If you can't disrupt their, their their breakdown, their phase play, it just gets everything just gets faster and faster. Exactly like watching Leinster, if they keep getting quick ball, it just gets more and more impossible to defend. And so I think our best breakdown operator and probably the best in the well, uh, yeah, probably. The, up there with any breakdown operator in the British Isles. So, uh, you know, Panda uh, Flea has got other elements to his game as well, but actual purely in the breakdown, Tommy Raffle is as good as anyone in the in the British Isles. And so that, that that's why I that's why I would go there. Possibly in a different game, if you're playing a different opposition where you, you were looking to be more expansive, mm. it may be one of the other two, but it, it, this is I think this is a bit of a rear guard action to try and stop Ireland's attacking game and Tommy Raffel is uh, is the best of the three for that in my opinion. Interesting um, yeah, you make a compelling argument, as I say I'd have no problem with that, but you know, I'm just at the, at the moment, I'm edging towards Morgan, but even then, as you were saying, I was tempted to change, but I'll, start, I'll stick with my guns um, <laughs> I'm just glad I don't have to, like I said, I'm glad I don't have to pick the back yeah. row for Wales, it's hard because you, you, unless we win, there's going to be everyone's going to say, "Well, you picked the wrong back yeah. row." Everyone, yeah, yeah. everyone in the country is going to say, "Well, they picked the wrong back row." Um, impossible job. I, I, that's what the big money is for. It I is, suppose. but as we saw, the best a Welsh back row has functioned uh, for like three years was in South Africa, and it was a six. Mm. It was a proper six, seven, eight. So mm. yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it just heads towards that. Um, right, nine, ten. I'm going for Thomas and Dan Bigger. Same. There we go. Bang. Nice and easy. Um, Nothing to discuss, really, is it? I don't. No. I mean, unless you you were particularly wedded to wanting to start Reese Webb. Um, yeah. Well, the only thing to discuss is the bench there, really. But we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, and then, right? Would you centres next? Yeah. See yours first. Uh, I I'm gonna go with a bit of continuity and just um, because. Because of who the opposition are, if this was Scotland first up mm. or Italy first up, I would go with some new boys. But because of the high standard of the opposition, I'd go for Miliality and go Tompkins and North. I'm going to go for North at 13 and I'm going to go for Kieran Williams at 12. 
Um, I don't know what you... As I've said before, I can't remember how much this I've said off air and how much I've said on air. There's just something about Nick Tompkins I don't like. Um, no, I know. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, I think it's just because he was crap when he was at the Dragons. And he's obviously, you know, he's obviously a better player than that because he's picked week in, week out for Saracens. But um, there's just, there's something I cannot put my finger on. Um, and this is why I'm not an international coach. Um, yeah. That just doesn't... No, I get it. I, I, I totally get it. But I, I, I just think... Um... The way the Irish midfield mm. play, I yeah. just think you need experience there. And I, I, I get, I get you thinking all uh, completely, but I wouldn't want to throw someone in first up. But I, um, Tompkins has actually had good games against Ireland. He's bottled, yeah, been he able has. to bottle up Bundyaki in yeah, the past. Yeah, yeah. He's a very good defensive player. He can be a bit of a handbrake on the attack at times. But um, I've no doubt he's a very good defensive player for Tompkins. I've no doubt about that. And um, yeah, and and your argument makes a lot more sense than mine does. Well, it's just, it's just, I think it's too much to ask of a new camp, Mm. you know, to face potentially Sexton, Ringrose and whoever plays 12. It's just, it's just in a new set, in a new side, but as if you've got the familiarity of bigger Mm. Tompkins North, that, that, that midfield has played well against the Irish attack before. So, um, yeah, but yeah, I, 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 I think I, 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 that's what I would choose, and I think that's what Gatlin's going to do as well. And that's the right decision, but mine is is born out of some uh, some uh, some <laughs> grudge um, that I can't seem to get to the bottom of. Um, back three, then, uh, assuming Liam's fit, I'd be going Liam at fifteen with uh, Josh Adams on one wing and Rhea Dyer on the other. Is Rhea Samit fit? No. Uh, that, that's yeah. That's I agree then. Yeah, I um, I obviously the only other option then is really whether you'd include Halfpenny or or Cuthbert. But for me, I think Dyer is um, like I mean he's playing in a again in a you know in a struggling side. He seems to break tackles all the time as well. You know, and, and that's not because mm. you, you know he's got wheels. You you expect mm. him gas players, but. He just seems to get through gaps so quickly that people don't even think there's a gap there. And, and before you know it, he's through it. Um, I mm. know that's going to be that much harder at international level. But um, again, if we're talking X Factor, he's got he's, he's got that in his um, in his locker. And and even just things like the kick chase. So your kick chase has got to be has got to be so meaningful when you're playing a game against like because as much as you want to see attacking rugby, we're going to be kicking the ball a hell of a lot. Um, and having someone who's as as um, as good at it and works as tirelessly as, as Rio Dyer, I think is a, um, you know, is going to be an asset. Yeah, I, I agree 100% on your back three selection, but I think Gatland has got a, a soft spot for Alice Cuthbert. Well, not just Alice Cuthbert specifically, but big, strong wingers. Mm. And uh, so I think we might end up with Cuthbert on wing. On wing. And Cuthbert has greatly improved his um, kind of... Uh, yeah backfield play and, and and also his kick chasing game which he never seemed very in his prime if you like his first wave as a Welsh player he never seemed very interested in chasing kicks no. uh, and it's something he's he's definitely concentrated on and um, he's very effective at it now but uh, I, I would go I would go with what you picked okay quick run through the bench then um, so replacement hooker uh, um, it's left, you'd be left with um Bradley Roberts and Scott Baldwin. Oh, it's going to be Bradley Roberts. Yeah, yeah. I'd, yeah I'd go with Roberts as well. And um, and then props. So for me, it would be Reese Carey um, and Leon Brown. 
Yeah, well, Leon Brown's the only, the only standing stand, three yeah. in the country, you know, in the squad anyway. Uh, and I, I would be the other way around. Um, I don't think Wynne Jones is 100% there either. So, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. And then what, uh, Reese Davis is your replacement lock? Um, so the other options are Teddy Williams. He's not going yeah, to. He's not going to get looked at. Get I don't think. Dave Jenkins. No. Yeah, David Jenkins is more likely than Teddy Williams, but uh, I think Reese Davis is probably be interesting actually mm. if, if David Jenkins does get a. Uh, he's been playing really well for Exeter, and like he's a, he's definitely going to get there eventually. But uh, I think probably Reese Davis is higher up the pecking order. Yeah, I think uh, I think he's probably right. And then back row selection. So you've gone for Tommy Reffle in your starting lineup. So who would be your back row right. cover? Um, they they only pick one, don't they? Uh, I think they're going to go Wainwright. Really? Well, the adaptability. Well, okay, tips, I suppose, and play all three. Mm. Yeah, probably tips then. They only pick one, so that's yeah. that's why I was thinking someone who could play more than one. But Tipperick can play anywhere, really. He could play inside centre as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would probably. So who did I pick in the end? I picked Morgan, didn't I? So if I pick Morgan, I'd probably go Tipperick on the bench. Yeah. Um, and then I would go Reese Webb, scrum half cover. Same. I would go uh, Reese Patchell, 10 cover. Yeah, I could, uh, I think I could toss a coin on that one, yeah, personally. I, I think he'll go Owen Williams, but I would go Reese Patchell. Because it's that twenty-five minute window where he's fit. So let's uh, let's. <laughs> well, it, 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 actually, if we were chasing the game, trying to win the game, I would want Patchell off the bench. Mm. But if we were in front, unlikely, I thought. If in front, going towards the end of the game, I'd rather Owen Williams, because he's become such a steady influence at uh, the Ospreys, and I could see him being a damn bigger type guy, seeing out the game like uh, he was when Galanskin was first choice. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I suppose. I don't know. I don't. I can't work out who would be Gatlin's favourite there. I know he really rates Patchell, doesn't he? And yeah. uh, and the way he showed up in the World Cup in 2019, I think would would definitely have impressed. You know, that would be the last. I mean, it was largely the last string of rugby that Reese Patchell played, but it was certainly mm. the last kind of proper action that that Gatlin would have seen of him. So I think he. I think he would be his favourite in terms of what he already knows about him Owen Williams he picked a couple of times and then kind of discarded but Owen Williams mm. has come back and made a massive impact in big games so yeah well he was kind of picking him out of position as well wasn't he when he was, he was picking him at 12 and things like that mm. in that in that period so um, I th- and I think Owen Williams is a different player now there's I a maturity mean, yeah. to him yeah but um, yeah pa- Patchell's the more, the more exciting I think actually yeah uh, and then so if I pick Patchell because he can do 10 and 15 cover then mm. uh, I would probably pick a centre. Um, mm. And again, do I do I really kind of die on this hill of not wanting to pick Tompkins? Because um, <laughs> of course, about? your side's not got Tompkins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will go. Uh, I'll go Joe Hawkins on the bench, screaming Joe Hawkins. Same, same actually, because he adds actually. Been looked at, played in, in the autumn, so uh, he's yeah. That's who I would go for. There you go. Not bad at all. Well, either way, we haven't got um, we haven't got too long to wait. Um, Did we not pick a back three player as well? 
Oh, because no, Patchell does that. Got Patchell, yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah, you don't yeah, get but... an extra sub just because you want one. Oh, so the three, sorry, the three was, the three uh, was Webb, Webb Patchell, Patchell, and and, and yeah, Joe Hawkins, right? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, look, that that's a, an awful lot of predicting from us, Murph. Um, mm. If you want to join us in our uh, Guinness Pint Predictor um, and win some free pints and some goodies, uh, and also just keep track on uh, how incredibly wrong our predictions are, then make sure you download the Fanzo app. That's F A N Z O. Download that and uh, search for the attacking scrum on there. I will put uh, a link up to uh, to the, the league details on Twitter. But come and uh, come and join us. Um, I will dig out some goodies as well for the prize of the overall winner. I think I think uh, fans are going to stump up a, um, a prize for us on that as well. But just generally, it'll be good fun. So um, uh, so come and join us in on uh, on that one and get your get your predictions in. Um, let's get yours for this week then, Murph. I, I don't know if you've committed them to the app yet or not, but um, I, I I haven't I haven't even done. I'm shamefully I've started on the Guinness drinking, but I haven't. <laughs> Gone with the app download. Well, you've got the, uh, you've got the... until yeah, you've got until Saturday two fifteen to get it done. So uh, so just so you're going to post a link. To, so you're going to post a link to the app and, and then the league as well. I will indeed. I'll do all of that because I, I, I'll end up I'll end up downloading the wrong app. I guarantee that. It's good of you to um, do this in in the role play that we discussed as well, Murph. You playing the, <laughs> you playing the clueless listener who doesn't know what to do and guiding you through it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Very I well mean, done. Typecast. <laughs> yeah, typecast. Um, so yeah, I've gone for uh, Wales to beat Ireland by two. England to beat Scotland by four, and France to beat Italy by twenty-two. Uh, mm. Even though is that how it works? You're basically given a handicap. Yes, Murph. That like is, a bookmaker. That, that is exactly it. Yeah. So you, yeah, you pick, oh. no, you pick the exact mar- the exact margin actually. Ah, um, right. Okay. Uh, but yeah, there are there are varying degrees of points depending on how accurate you are. So if you get it completely on the money, uh, then I think you get an instant free point. So. Um, uh, so yeah. So it's not like in the the sweepstake in the rugby clubhouse where you actually say uh, sort of Wales uh, twenty three, Ireland no. twenty seven. It's, it's it's more of a yeah, spread. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a, a margins uh, a margins game. So um, right, okay. So yeah, uh, and also the the beauty of it is rather than playing like the fantasy rugby game, um, if you have a crap week this week. Or in fact, if you know if two of your fixtures blow out completely, there's still an opportunity mm. to win some to win some prizes anyway. So, uh, mm. um, I think I might be tempted to just follow the opinions of the, na- the national bookmakers on the uh, <laughs> handicaps. They tend to be spot don't... on, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they tend to be really rather accurate because because they. Uh, are paying someone to be really rather accurate so that they don't lose loads of money on, on the gambling on the weekend of the, the fixtures. The, the least so, enjoyable uh, one of those I've ever lost, Murph, was some meaningless uh, Challenge Cup fixture about three three years ago. Um, Dragons were playing, like, I don't know, Cast or someone. And yeah. um, I, I did the rarest of thing and bet against my own team, which I very rarely do. And, you know, it was like Cast to beat the Dragons by plus 24 or something um, and they hammered them all game and then um, let, managed to concede two late meaningless consolation tries to the Dragons um, mm. so not only did I um, lose my money but I also took no enjoyment out of watching the Dragons score tries either so uh, yeah. Yeah, that, was, that, that was a lesson for you there It can be tricky handicap betting in um, rugby and, and especially I used to find the Heineken Cup could be tricky because if you were betting in uh, say a large handicap so someone's getting 20 30 points 
what would happen quite often to my bets was a team would go way out in front, lose interest, bring on the subs, and then sink your handicap exactly. bet in the last yeah, five yeah. minutes because they're just they're just waiting for the final whistle. Yeah. So it's one it's one of the trickier things about uh, betting on rugby is. Um, large margins that's uh, my father swears off him he only goes to close close handicap bets within sort of uh, eight points or less closer good or um yeah I, I find selling the margin a lot better than buying it if you see what i mean if you've got someone that's uh, giving you yeah. an extra seven points or whatever um i find that can do a yeah that back in the underdog so to speak but um, anyway, we'll see how we get on uh, on week one. So, yeah, be sure to join in the uh, the Fanzo uh, Guinness Pint Predictor. Um, and finally, uh, thank you uh, to this review that we were sent in. A really nice one uh, came in from Lil Math on uh, Apple Podcasts, um, which uh, is is very, very nice. I won't read it all out, but it's, it made me a Murph smile. No, don't make, nice. don't make me blush, for God's sake. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, well done, Murph, to whoever you paid to uh, to leave that nice review for us, uh, it was well yeah. it was well worth it. Um, I'll give him a quick wristy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, got to lower the tone. I was going to say, yeah, I'll have to change the uh, the rating of this to explicit on uh, on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> um, I don't I don't think I don't think at certain times in my life I wouldn't know what I meant. <laughs> yeah. And on that bombshell, a suitable place to, to bring us to a close for this week. Uh, oh, and finally, as always, a big thanks to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. Get some great quality coffee at socoffeetrades.co.uk. Right, we'll be back next week. Uh, enjoy the first weekend of the Six Nations. Podcast Network.